So you have food. I do have food. There is food in my fridge. I went grocery shopping. I made chili. I made chili for friends. I had friends over. We watched a lot of ball of both the basket and foot varieties this weekend. I was autumnal as hell this weekend. Did, what does that mean? (laughs) Autumnal? Yeah. Just doing fall stuff. Like I didn't go to a pumpkin patch and hang out at, drink a bunch of cider or anything but you know other fall stuff yeah like chili and football and basketball chili and football and i, I tailgated uh, outside of the the gopher the gopher stadium i didn't go to the game but i just went and had a few beers in a parking lot with some friends in the sun it was about 55 and sunny it was a beautiful october afternoon on saturday i uh, i had a great time and then at nighttime we're gonna get into this but i had an even better time because oregon state football team beat utah and that makes me really happy i was at our buddy smaves's house with a bunch of friends later that night and ended up sleeping there actually and no one else there had a rooting interest in oregon state but i was told the next day that i repeatedly loudly said oregon state is five and two so (laughs) I'm, i'm pretty jacked about oregon state being five and two how about you guys I'm jacked as fuck. You look jacked as fuck. Ben, you yeah. got a, you got a, a haircut or a hairstyle. I I, <laughs> <laughs> I I did get a haircut which gave me a hairstyle. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh it was um a prelude to the Oregon State victory over Utah, which uh some and I would probably say myself would say that that was their biggest win of the season i feel usc felt bigger at the time but i think now that the season has sort of transpired and like usc is not very good and utah is very good that the utah win is uh certainly more impressive so i'm very excited is perhaps the best team we've played by kind of a lot because a different purdue team shows up every other week yeah i think purdue is capable of being the best team but they look like shit this last week and utah we're, we're gonna get into this where this is you know we're still gonna we're gonna bullshit and catch up a little bit but utah's a, a competent well-coached football team Whittingham always does a good job and we've had trouble with them over the years so yeah it's it's a big win especially with how it started and we're gonna hold off on that but uh jp i know you were at the game i was there how was, your, how was your weekend it was wonderful. Um, we made like a full day out of Corvallis. We headed down a little before noon, went right to uh, Sky High Brewing and put our name in. It was a little bit of a wait, so it was cool to see uh, the Beaver fam all enjoying themselves in one of the tallest buildings in Corvallis. Um, we went out while we waited to the Brass Monkey, which is right there on the waterfront. Um, oh, I think it used to be Downward so Dog. Familiar. It used to be Downward okay. Dog or Cloud Nine. It's in the same location that one of them was. And I think our boy Cloud Davidson sold sold a business to a friend, if I recall. Uh, but it was a great joint. So if you're in Corvallis, check it out. And then we headed up to Sky High, had a couple beers, had some pizza, headed up to Reeser. And uh, we had a great time. I mean, the, the terrace was still really fun. We stayed fairly dry, which <laughs> none of us uh, predicted would happen. No. Um, we were 100% sure this was going to be a uh, them playing football in a pond. But um, yeah, all in all, really good, uh, good time. Great game. It seemed dire early on, uh, as, <laughs> as we saw reflected in Benny's tweet storms. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I well, I had I played Terry this weekend. Oh, I was a, so much I was more negative than I was. Yeah, I was I was staying off Twitter. I was trying to stay off texting 
And then when the game. Yeah, died, no shit. We know. I noticed. I was also in a spot where I, I was watching the game, but I didn't have great service on my phone. And I was Got like, it. this is a sign. I should maybe make this a habit because I was just engaged and I was able to talk myself into more being like, hey, it's early in the first quarter. <laughs> a, a lot of things are going to happen after this. This isn't going great, but it could change. And thankfully it did change. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I, I don't really think the crowd was ever out of it either. There was the same kind of sentiment in throughout research. I could tell that uh, even going down 14, nothing, it was kind of like, God, why are we being so sloppy? Can we just string together a good drive? And I think we got pretty lucky being close into half, which really set us up for success in the second half. We'll get to that later. But like, yeah, all in all, I don't think that uh, Beaver Nation was fairly concerned. At least it didn't feel that way. That's good. It was nice that they answered quickly on offense after that. But I do think you can chalk some of that up. And I'm not trying to make excuses here. Sometimes you see a team come out of a bye week, just super prepared, super clean, ready. And then other times it's like, oh, yeah, we haven't played in two weeks. What is this again? Football? Right. How how do I do? (laughs) And they just looked rusty. And Utah came out. Credit to Utah. Good, good football team. Hit us in the mouth. They, I, we, we fucked around and found out in that first quarter yeah. to, to put that in words that a uh, Gen Z uses on the internet, fuck around and find out. We, we did both of those things and thankfully we responded. Uh, it was looking a little, a little dire, uh, for a bit there, but, uh, overall it turned out to a great day. JP, I want to hear more about sky high. Yeah, we're, we're we are a five-star recruit and we're, Mulling our options over which uh, which brewery we're g- we're gonna give a hard commitment to, and I think Sky High is on the list. So let's they're in our about- top five. They're, they're in our the top, top five. five. Sky High, you're in our top five. This would be like the Eiffel Tower of Corvallis, then, right? If it's the yeah. tallest building in the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's a good equivalent. There you go. Look like at my four year old said, the mini bebe who uh, accompanied me and Funky Paul Molina to the game that we were. Higher than anything else in the whole world, other than the clouds, the sun, the moon, and a rocket ship. So we were really up there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, NASA's noted other rocket launch pad, other than Houston, located in Corvallis, Oregon, aka the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. A great observation, Everett. Yeah, it was. Um, and and honestly, like it, you feel like you're way up there. It feels almost taller. It's There's probably, you know, like the, when you're at the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland and the floor and ceiling start to stretch out, right? Or the wall stretch out while mm-hmm. you're technically going down underground. It kind of feels that way because there's like five flights of half stairs. Actually, there's probably like 10 flights of half stairs that you climb up to get all the way to the top of the brewery. And that's not even the rooftop section, which was closed, unfortunately. But uh, there's probably some perception thing that they do that makes you feel like you really are sky high. But I was impressed from my weekend visit. I'll, I'll walk away impressed. They're securely in our top five. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. So happy So happy to hear that. Yeah, the view from there is incredible. And it, it did seem like the weather uh, turned, turned for the better. We thought it was going to be a really... Really rainy, dirty, sloppy, miserable day outside. And it looked like it that was maybe very early on in the game, but uh but it cleared up later and looked like it actually turned into a pretty beautiful night. Yeah, it didn't rain the whole game, did it? There was a little bit of a mist 
yeah. um, right about halftime or so. Okay. But Just, uh, nothing, nothing that you felt like you had to go undercover for. The nice. perpetual Pacific Northwest mist that starts in October and lasts until May. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's June. that's here. The that's perpetual here. precipitation. <laughs> that's some great alliter- alliteration there. Ben. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, before I get back to into football, uh, the professional basketball season has started for uh, the, the men's national basketball association. And guys, if the NBA playoffs started today, all of our teams would be in the playoffs. And I think that's neat. I am. Uh, I am not going to let anyone take away that thought from my head. That's why I'm wearing a Timberwolves hat with my beaver sweatshirt. on the <laughs> But JP, your team, the the Golden State Warriors, if anyone doesn't know, I give JP a, a lot of shit for being a Bay Area sports fan. Not really shit, just I tell him to not complain because because you envy me because you're like a ten time lottery winner over the last ten <laughs> years. Uh, but on your team, your team is relevant to this podcast because Gary Payton the second is on is currently on your team. Yeah, and has has played in games, and uh, the Golden State Warriors are three and zero. Yeah, three and zero. Um, he's got some praise from guys like Steph Curry, which is really cool. Who said they asked about how excited he was that uh, they resigned Gary, and he said like a thousand percent happy. You can't be more happier. I know. Yeah. I mean, wasn't John Dumore Jr. a thousand percent committed to OSU? Right. So yeah, that's right. That's like that is the pinnacle of commitment and happiness is a thousand percent. But like, yeah, he definitely, as Steph noted, like he brings something on the defensive side that they don't have. But this year, he isn't just like flying to the rack and catching lobs. I mean, he is, <laughs> but he's shooting threes really well. His form looks great. I think he's, like I said in, in summer league, he has some sticking power on this roster and uh, he's going to get rotation minutes for sure. So he's for sure been in the lab with that jump shot. Yeah, made it better. absolutely. Nice. Uh, I don't have much to report on my NBA team other than being undefeated and they are just tipping off for a rubber match against the New Orleans Pelicans right now. So hopefully the Timberwolves are are three and oh at the end of this. Uh, but the rapper, one of my heroes, a rapper we've talked about on this podcast and played five seconds of <laughs> Coolio was Ooh. spotted at my neighborhood pizza place in Minneapolis today, which tells me he has to be the halftime performer at tonight's Timberwolves game. What are you so, doing on the podcast? We then? need, yeah, <laughs> we need, we need to wrap up this recording very fast <laughs> so I can get to the target center by halftime to see Coolio. Uh, you might think that uh, Gangsters Paradise is his only song. It's not. He has a whole catalog of certified bangers. Um, JP, please play five seconds of one, two, three, four. up to get down uh yeah coolio is in the house and uh i don't know if you guys were on nba twitter at all over the weekend apparently yesterday uh buster rhymes another rapper i love had kind of a cringy halftime performance at the nets hornets game i don't know but i (laughs) he kissed some old lady who clearly didn't know who he was and it was (laughs) It was kind of a dance that bordered on a lap dance. I don't. I love Busta, but I've heard just, that Busta is like the, the nicest, not I've heard just that rapper, too. but like the nicest, famous person that I've a lot heard of people he's have met. So cool, Busta, yeah. come on the pod. He's also he can you be cooler his, than Coolio though? No, no. He can be nicer he's, than Coolio. 
Coolio, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's you, very nice. Sometimes. You can be, you can be equal. Wait, 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 wait. Well, remember, the, there's that old viral video of Coolio like going to some like college student's apartment. Like him and his friends were like all hanging out, and somebody pulled out a guitar, and Coolio did Gangsta's Paradise like acapella. Oh, that's over, sweet. over the acoustic guitar. That uh, come on. Honestly, I just had one memory in my head, which is totally unfair to to judge somebody on but it was when coolio got really mad at weird al yankovic for doing a parody of the song (laughs) (laughs) and seeing the fear of god in weird al yankovic's eyes was funny (laughs) was this like on celebrity deathmatch did this really actually happen or no this was at like the grammy someone was like hey coolio what do you think of weird al's song i forget what it was like amish paradise i think (laughs) and coolio's like he asked me if i if he could do it and i said absolutely not but the motherfucker did it still and uh (laughs) i i forget what weird al's response was but it was like i'm really really sorry it sounds like we had great weekends all around it's great when beaver football wins you guys yeah and it's great to see you. We're recording. The, it's dark in Minneapolis, but I can see the sun in, in the windows of the rooms you guys are recording in. I want to call it sun. I don't know about you, Benny. And I can see the light. It's yeah. Fil- it, yeah, it, it looks sunny. Through as- the bomb cyclone. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're in the hatch in Lost that had that fake sun in. <laughs> Remember Lost season two before it started to suck? That was like the I best do. 20 episodes of TV. That yeah. was really good. Oh, we were all at Oregon State at that time, too. Two million years ago, which was when that aired, kids. <laughs> uh, it's what they'd call a classic these days. It's what they call a classic, yeah. It's not in black and white, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> um, should we get into get into beverages? Should we talk about beverages? Do we have some yeah. beverages? Yeah, but dude, we have to commemorate first to cheers to the fact. Oh, that's right. This is episode right. 20. Happy Woo! anniversary, yeah. guys. Cheers. We Don't started spoil your beers. But, 20, ah. 20 some weeks ago. More than that, we were we were bi weekly. I said twenty some. We were bi weekly, okay. but not super long. So it was probably like twenty eight weeks ago or something. Oh, and, oh, and that reminds me that I need to plug something because what really sort of kicked this into gear. We've we've mentioned on this podcast that we were talking about this a little bit, not really, but kind of in the before times, and then at the beginning of the pandemic, it, it was when Demir Collins committed that I think I sent an email to JP and was like, "Hey, we could do this." And then 18 months later, here we are. But <laughs> but I had another podcast uh, that is now renamed Under Review Radio that JP joined me on uh, yeah. to talk about the Elite Eight run when the Elite Eight run came to an end. And I think that was really what gave us the knowledge to know that we we could do this twice a week. Once a week, we could get together and talk about Oregon State on Zoom. And we immediately, you know, of course, called up Benny and was like, hey, we want to do this. Uh, just hop on and, and and come with us. And let's not forget about super secret producer Skinder. Super secret producer Skinder, who is as important to this as the three of us. It, it's a super secret, but you so you can't know why, but just know that he is. <laughs> uh, but after a long hiatus that lasted a little bit longer than I intended, I've brought that podcast back. It's called Under Review Radio. Uh, the the art on Apple Podcasts still has the old name, which was with the call. I think Apple Podcasts just moves at the speed of smell. So that art will eventually change. But that's the official podcast of the literary journal that I edit, the Under Review. JP helps me uh, put a lot of the web stuff together and made the art for the podcast and is a sort of a 
you know, digital web tech consultant as he basically is for all of my endeavors. So thank you, JP. Uh, I will guarantee you that podcast will be less profane, uh, but it's going to be a weekly thing. Uh, Bi-weekly, it'll just be me and my friend and poet Jalen Utsi just talking about like reactions to what's happening in the book world, writer world, and sports world. And then the uh, alternating weekly episodes will be author interviews. So if you fuck with books, like to read, like sports and the crossover of that, you know, under review radio, give us a follow and a review. And, you know, I will be you'll get my undying gratitude and maybe we'll send some free swag your way. Um, yeah, so yeah. Show, show the man some love. Check it out. Check it out. I work hard on it. It's fun. JP helps. And it's yeah. So it's belligerent beeves. It's part of the belligerent beeves fam. Well, we have to. It's, they're part of the beaver fam for sure. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of um, art and uh, sh- showcasing skills, Benny. You oh, yeah. Spent, like that? You must have spent hours on that Chance Nolan graphic that you tweeted the other day. Dude, if I, I don't know if I can say I think I can say this on on our pod. Uh, I, I stopped smoking for a very uh, well, not a very long time, but like a couple weeks. And I, I stopped. This is the safest pod. To I say stopped. This I, yeah, I, I stopped that hiatus uh, midway through the first quarter of the game. And so by the time I got to that point. <laughs> I had taken a, a lot of edibles uh, or a lot of milligrams <laughs> of edibles and that it seemed like a perfect idea. And I'm glad that that you thought it was a good idea, too. But so when that's I what made did it, it, that's what was a turnaround. You have to be high for every game now, Benny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that will be a thing going forward, which will be fun and bolder in two weeks. But yeah, Chance got his groove back. He did. You'll be high the second your plane lands when you get yeah, to the boulder game. <laughs> you don't need to yeah. worry about that. Contact high and intentional high. Uh, that's that's fun. Yeah, Benny, your um, Photoshop skills are uh, <laughs> are worth mentioning, I guess. Yeah, there's it was. I felt like it was so bad. It was good. Okay. It was so fair. bad. Very fair. <laughs> we really, we really need to start talking about these beers. Um, JP, I think I started with Ben last week, so I'm going to start with you this week. What are you sipping on? You have a terrible memory because I, you started I with me I started, last week. I started with you because you had the Carl Anthony Towns connection. And that's right. So yeah, that's that's right. Okay. Uh, well, well, we'll start with Benny uh, next, next week. week and the week after and the week after. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. that but JP, we're starting with you tonight. All right, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. But uh, I'm drinking uh, a gift. This is a gift from Funky Paul Molina, who decided to stop Ooh. by and said, "This is for you." <laughs> Shout out, Funky Paul Molina. What a great yeah. guy. He drove by my house guy. yesterday and said, "This is for you. I want you to drink it on the podcast." It is a 903 Brewers Dad Bod Slushy. Nice. A lot like me on there with a beard and sunglasses and a, 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 a belly. It is a just sour ale with strawberry guava, milk sugar, and sea salt. Uh, I've had 903 Brewers before. They're in Texas, down in Sherman, Texas. Uh, they have some pretty unique beers. But uh, like one of them I had the other day was actually a, um, it was a milkshake and french fries stout. Ooh. And that was crazy because it tasted like, you know, if you dipped your... French fries and, and milkshake. Yeah, which is an in, in all-time food combination. Yeah, so it is. It is. But this is also great. So thank you, Funky Paul Molina. I gave it a 4.2 out of 5. It's very slushy and fruity and delicious. Funky Paul Molina shooting up to the top of the Friends of the Babes power rankings. 
Consider yourself on put on notice, everyone else we've met before. <laughs> uh, Benny, you have a colorful can of something over there. That's right. Uh, we've seen it before, but we are still living in a dreamland because we're five and two. <laughs> and we are five and, and two. Uh, it is uh, Rogue, which if I nope, that, that was Deschutes. Never mind. Deschutes. Founder was from University of Utah. <laughs> yeah, we beat your alma mater, Gary Fish. Yeah. yeah. Sponsor the pod. This has yeah. been a long con the whole time. That's right. <laughs> Benny got in your head by saying you were a beef. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So we're still living in a dreamland. So that's my beer. And it is really good. But and it's very what, colorful. At what point do we call this reality? Ooh, I wonder if there's a beer called reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's just old English and a 40 of old English. We got to go old school like that. Get a Mickey's. We should all just do an episode yeah. like that. Yeah. What, what did you get? What beer do you guys think you drank the most of during your time as an undergrad in Corvallis? Uh, Keystone Light. <laughs> yeah. Keystone Light too. Keystone yeah. Light for sure. I mean, no, I there was a fucking... phase of Mickey's where that was where Aaron Stevens, shout out Aaron Stevens, would come Stevens, over to the yeah. house with a like a cardboard box. Was he the one always Mickey's. bringing Mickey's to Pie Cap? Because I just thought yeah. that everyone in Pie Cap loves Mickey's. But if that was just an Aaron Stevens thing, that's brilliant as hell. And I love <laughs> him. I love him more for that. Yeah, he would just show up with like a box full of Mickey's, like 20 of them. I'm like, what are we going to drink these? <laughs> I don't remember drinking Mickey's that much. I just remember always seeing empty bottles on Sunday mornings, just lining <laughs> hallways and living rooms of my friends' houses and shit. So Mickey's was always around. Uh, but yeah, I am not drinking a Mickey's tonight, thankfully. Uh, last week, we had uh, Oregon State royalty, Amy and Lauren Sinicola, on. Uh, do you remember where Amy and Lauren were uh, for, or met and then had their rehearsal dinner of not married at, even though I tweeted that they got married in this location? <laughs> but, you know, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. I don't care. Do you remember the brewery that they talked about? Absolutely. Founders. Uh, a titan of the Midwestern brewing scene in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And as a podcast that has listeners in close to all 50 states, we're getting there. We're, we're close. We're close. You know, do you have a Rhode Island, Island listener? We do have a Rhode Island listener. Wow. We're waiting on Delaware and somewhere else. Come on, Joe <laughs> Biden. <laughs> come on. Come on, Mr. President. What else are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and one of us being in the Midwest, I, I, I think a Midwestern brewery sponsor would make sense. I'm not going to say much more here. They they will. You'll you'll hear from our our business partners and uh, sponsorship lawyers. Uh, we don't need lawyers for this. That makes it sound like we're suing them. No, we're, we, we want to work together. We don't want to sue you. Though <laughs> we will sue you if you don't work with us. But going off of Benny's theme, we are in kind of a dreamland. One might think that every day we record this podcast is an all-day vacay. And I am drinking a Founders Brewing all-day vacay session wheat ale here on the Belligerent Beefs podcast. Delicious Founders beer brewed in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This could be you every segment, founders. To Hashtag our, ad. To our more than one listener. It's, be <laughs> it's between four and four million. If you want to know the actual number of listeners, we'll give you that exact number. We'd be happy to. As long as they sign an NDA. Founders beer, all day vacay. And guess what, guys? It's fantastic. 
I could drink this all day on vacay or not vacay. I could drink it in a bar. I could drink it in my car. Not while driving, though. (laughs) Just small car barring in Corvallis before a Beavs game. See how I can apply this to every social situation, founders? Now we need a lawyer. Talk business. <laughs> <laughs> we will need a lot. We do have uh, some, you know, legal. We have some penal activities uh, to, to get into later in this podcast. Uh, but let's cheers to the Beavs. Cheers. Beaver football. Uh, we'll get into some other teams as well. But we're five and two. Oregon State yeah, is five and two. Right. I said this phrase several times this weekend. Oregon State is five and two. Lahayam. And one win away from the bowl. That's right. So the first thing I'll say about this game, you guys, is... This game and the USC game, big wins, really happy. My message to the team would be just because you can win with a thousand penalties doesn't mean you have to. (laughs) And if you did it without them, the Bebe's might have fewer heart attacks during games. Just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. But yeah, that was part of it was, you know, part of the rough start. So obviously you see, uh, I think 11 penalties for 114 yards was the the final total. And, you know, there's some big personal fouls. Jaden Grant, we're going to lose for the first half next week because of targeting. Uh, another one that took away the Omar Spates punt block return. Some big, big ones. But, you know, it's skewed a little bit because of the sloppy start. But, yeah, um, I, I st- I'm starting with a negative intentionally because we're going to build to the positives. And then oh, we'll yeah. let the vibes, you know continue throughout we're we're this is gonna be a positive episode but yeah i guess just takeaways from that difficult start anything you guys noticed it seems like this is kind of a trend seems like it's a little harsh but we are a team that gets a lot of penalties and that just reminds me that we are still in the middle of a rebuild and we have a lot of talent and we need to maybe slow down with uh some things here but God, there is a lot of laundry on the field against us on Saturday night. Yeah, I I felt like um, at least while when I was watching it, it felt like a lot of them were related to like coaching mistakes, too, because there was a number of uh, defensive holding and or defensive P.I. Um, that resulted in, in in just bad schemes. It felt like from um, from the uh, D coordinator. Um, but then you have the penalty where we have. Uh, two players with the same number on the field for special teams. And it's just like, you you can't, you, you especially that second one, you cannot make that mistake coming after, uh, coming out of a bye week. Um, and so that was just, and it seemed like we got more than half of those penalties in the first quarter. It, it was just so frustrating to watch because Utah was moving the ball at ease yeah. just with penalties. Um, and it's like, we you know, we're already down seven, nothing. We are, or I think at that point it might've been 14, nothing or 14, seven. Um, and they're just moving the ball down the field so easily. Um, and, and we don't need to help them out. So, I mean, some of them were obviously like mistakes by the players, but it just felt like the coaches could have put them in a little bit better of a position. And, and that maybe it's a, is a biased take, but it, it's what I felt when I was watching the game. Yeah. I mean, we gave them over the full length of the field and penalties over the course of the game. Right. I mean, <laughs> And there, there were some declined ones too that yeah <laughs> took us back, and like and this game was decided by one score. Like we, of course we came out on top, but like maybe just scale back the penalties a little bit. I mean, yeah, I think I think you're right though, Benny. Like some of it could be schematics where these guys are just beat, and it, it's no secret that 
defensive players, when they're beat, it's sometimes better to risk it all and like pass interference or or something that causes uh, causes you to have at least a chance. And we just got popped for them too frequently this game. But uh, you know, if we can clean that up, I think things will look a lot brighter on the defensive side of the ball for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, I am very worried, though, on continuing with the negative news is that Alton Julian appears to be lost for the season with an injury. um, And he was playing well and I think had really turned a corner. So I think we are going to be hurting from that overall uh, since, you know, we lost Isaac Hodgins early in the season and we were kind of up against the wall with injuries right away. But the team's been fairly healthy since then from top to bottom. I think we've been lucky and, you know, the injury bug is going to come for every team at some point. So they're just going to have to weather this. But that's definitely not an insignificant loss. No, that's going to hurt. I mean, he was definitely becoming one of the top safeties in the conference. And mm. at the right time for us too, as we look at, the, to me, the, obviously this is going to be some of the, probably the hardest well, from Utah onward, like the hardest portion of the schedule. Uh, we have a couple, hopefully, gimmies. But again, you n- you never know when you, you face a, an opponent below your capabilities, how you're going to perform, especially the Beavs. We've traditionally underperformed against them. And then we've got some tough matchups like ASU and Oregon so and Stanford as well. And we, we, we're we going to need him. And it's a bummer that uh, as he was rising we lost him mm-hmm. but you know, next man up yeah he was possible i don't know that they actually award this but we probably would at the end of the season uh definitely a candidate for most improved player just from from last year to this year he looks like a completely different football player and i know our defense has been up and down but when he's been good he's been good <laughs> and has certainly been a, a big part of this turnaround uh, so we will for sure miss that and yeah, other than that, for negative things, even though he had a good game and one Babe declared he got his groove back, uh, <laughs> two, two, uh, two pretty cringy fumbles from chance, I'd say, you know, but get back up against the goal line. The other one when that gave them a touchdown before right before halftime, and he really flipped it after that. So I don't want to shit on chance because no, he, re- he responded the way a veteran does was like, OK, we got hit in the mouth. We need to play better. We need to clean it up. I need to be better. And he was good. He was legitimately good in that second half and really got the offense humming. But that, that wavy fumble, that wavy was, fumble, that yeah. it's just just throw that shit into the 10th row. Here, here's the frustrating thing about that, though. Do you guys remember the end of the first half at the was uh, for Wazoo? Yeah. He threw that he threw that uh, pick. Um, that's that wazoo up to score and it's just yep. like you know the coaches are telling him like go for it but like by like do not do uh throw a risky pass or like if you're gonna run it make sure that you're wrapping up Tuck and getting it. out yeah. of bounds like do not turn the ball over and he, he did was it holding it out back. there like he was juking them with the ball dude he was holding it up like it was a loaf of bread man like he cannot and i'm sure he learned from it but like two turnovers in the final minute in your own half uh of of the first half in the last two games is i mean that was really frustrating to watch but again he turned it around for like, sure big big time big time yeah i mean spinning this over to the good i think we've tackled enough of the bad like the, yeah for sure it's obvious chance second half 
I think there was a lot of things that went into the the success of the second half. And like, obviously, Chance was a big part of it. So were the wide receivers. So was the play calling. There was creativity back on the offensive side of the ball. And there were a lot of people getting involved that uh, were fairly quiet the last couple of weeks. And they gave Chance the chance to get his groove back. Like he didn't have to force anything too crazy. He did make some nice throws. The ball he threw to Tyshawn Lindsay just threaded that one right in there. And of course, Lindsay made a great catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradford catch too. Like, but they weren't great. They weren't great balls. Like they weren't really tight spirals. They were, but he got them to the guy, right? Yeah. And, and and the receivers, they had separation or they made a great play on the ball. I don't really recall very many drops. It's a little bit harder to see when you're not watching on TV, but like there, it didn't seem like that was like a big issue, but also like the running game was still the running game, mm-hmm. but the, we added an extra level of creativity to the running game too, right? Some of those misdirections, end arounds, like Anthony Gould got his hands on the ball again. Anthony Gould needs two to three manufactured t- touches a game. Yeah, 100%. He's so fast. I'm not saying let's make him the number one receiver or number one playmaker. And a big part of why he's been able to contribute has been because the defense is game planning for, you know, seven other people, including BJ Baylor, who's been arguably a a top three to five running back in college football this year. Mm -hmm. But it seems in games that we haven't played as well, we just didn't even try to get the ball to Gould. And JP, I, I love that you mentioned that uh, seven different players, including Chance, had uh, designed run plays. There was two rushing touchdowns by receivers in Gould and Bradford. And it, w- it was great to see Bradford have the game that he did. You were yes. kind of waiting to see him be super involved in the passing game. And uh, shout out to the special teams, too. The fact that we had a rushing touchdown by Gould, a receiver, rushing touchdown by Bradford, a receiver who added a receiving touchdown as well. Also, Luke Musgrave, tight end, getting his first collegiate touchdown. Right. <laughs> Love got it. The, he got the block, the scoop, and the score. And, you know, good teams are going to find ways to score in all of those ways. That was a turning point. 100%. That was the turning point for sure. Yeah. But also, yeah. we mentioned this in in after the USC game too. There was a lot of fly sweeps and yeah. Treshawn Treshawn Harrison Treshawn Harrison had a big rushing first down in that game and other guys were getting the ball in a lot of different ways and yeah, we have to add that Coletto caught a touchdown. Yeah, right. I yeah, really I right. really hope that Coletto gets to throw a touchdown before the season is over. <laughs> Double points if it goes to chance. If Coletto throws a touchdown <laughs> yeah. to Chance Mullen, then he's national championship dreams come true. <laughs> um, I don't know how a two-loss Pac-12 team gets in the playoff, but we'll, you know, this is what dreams are made of. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that they, even with the 14-0 uh, start to the game, the game plan didn't change much, and it was just it was just really sharp. And... I think this is what this offense needs to do. We talked about this before the season started. How are all these guys going to get involved? And we still didn't see everyone get involved. This was a light game for Fenwick. Uh, But a lot of guys got the ball with chances to make something happen. And I just want to say my prediction last week was Trey Trey Lowe will pop one. I knew you were going to come back to that. Very (laughs) vague, not detailed. Uh, He had a couple of good plays, including one carry for 38 yards. So I was happy to see... Trey Lowe making a difference. 
And that was a really good sure. time too to pop that 38 yard run. Right. Right. Well, he's just such a different runner than Baylor and Fenwick yeah. that he's another guy that I'd love to see just call a, a designed screen or a run for Trey once or twice a game. Because his design screen would be nice because he can get out of the backfield quick. Absolutely. Um, but one one thing that I noticed is like and, and JP, I'm glad you brought up the pay, uh, the play calling was different it felt different in the second half it was definitely more aggressive and yeah. it definitely showed that they had more faith in chance than well i obviously did um and <laughs> but but that was good because i i've been saying it for the last couple of games where chance is struggling it's like if, if he can get it going that will get the running game going even more and that's what was so frustrating to watch is like we were running it but every team knew that we were running it and so it was sort of stifling uh bj and and fenwick and and to a certain extent low but um our possessions in the second half of the game was touchdown 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 turnover on downs because we were just trying to run out the clock at the very end uh and then we held the ball for the end of the game and so like it shows that if if chance can get it going like our offense is nearly impossible to stop um and and i agree like the receivers also like chance did not have a good first half the receivers did not have a good first half either because there were drops by the receivers um and so it it just sort of felt like like what you said earlier they had to shake the rust off of the bye week and the second half was a totally different team which was led by chance and um i just like i couldn't get over thinking of how difficult that must have been for chance because if you think about it he's the third string going into the season um so he he knows that there are two guys that the coaches viewed as being better than him going into the season and he's played like shit for the last two and a half games essentially um and that would have been so difficult i felt i feel like to to be able to turn that around and just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm putting that behind me and this is like a new start. Second half is a new start. That would have been so difficult. Um, Cause his confidence had to have been at an all time low. So huge, huge shout out to, to chance Nolan. I think that that is such a difficult position to pick yourself up out of, um, especially having the pressure of knowing, like, I mean, let's be honest, if he would have played like shit for the third quarter, maybe even the first, first possession of the third quarter there's a strong chance that he gets pulled so i mean like there's not much more pressure he could have been under uh in the start of the second half than, than he was and he fucking balled out yeah um so that that's awesome to see for like obviously beating utah but like going forward knowing that you have a quarterback that has sort of a a strong will like like he was able to show is a really good sign i think well before we, we talk a lot about the offense but can we just show some love to like avery roberts 16 tackles again this week yep. and he's quietly putting together like the most insane um <laughs> defensive season that we've seen in a long long time for a team Hell that has yeah. a lot of a lot of trouble historically tackling the man is a <laughs> tackle machine and he is yeah. everywhere on the field and he had 16 tackles again against Utah just like his season high match season high against Washington when when he is out there making tackles like we're in a good spot and yeah, like he's definitely one of the top linebackers in college football at this point. The defense yep. looked like an entirely different team in the second half. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. 
And and honestly, like, I don't think I've said one good thing about Tibisar all season long, but like <laughs> shout out to him. I mean, he yeah. was able to make the adjustments that like he showed he was unable to make against Wazoo. Um, he was able to make those against a significantly better team. So that was awesome. But yeah, Avery Roberts, huge fucking game. Um, not out of the norm, but someone who did have a huge fucking game that was out of the norm, uh, was Alex Austin. I thought, I mean, what, and I was tweeting about it, but like, what a fucking comeback from where he was at against USC to have that game clinching play where like most other cornerbacks, I feel like would, would not have had the speed to get to that breakup as, as fast as Austin was. But, um, that was that was like the the moment where I had like the best feeling in my heart uh, during the game was to see him um, come through and break up that pass. What about the moments you had the worst feeling in your heart and you let everyone on Twitter <laughs> know about those feelings? Yeah, well, I was pissed. I think, it's t- I think it's time to repent for your sins. You're yeah. you're pissed, and you're also angry about other shit too. So we can make just make this part the we hate rage fest. Yeah, still well, yeah. we rage, not we hate. It's we rage. <laughs> well, it wasn't shaping up to be a very good game, and I know you guys know this, but maybe our listeners don't. We had more high-level recruits at that game against Utah than we have had in Corvallis in a very long time. So it was pivotal that we won the game, and certainly pivotal that we didn't fucking blow it like it looked like we were about to in the first half. So that's what had me really heated. Was like we're pissing away a golden opportunity here but uh, and and i do have to say like i was very wrong in my assessment of (laughs) of how the game was going to end but the silver lining is this is that oregon state showed a resilience uh to those recruits and and showed how the team was uh is completely bought into jonathan smith and the rest of the coaching staff in a way that they couldn't have shown Unless that happened, unless they got down at the beginning of the game and was, were able to show like a, f- a fighting mentality to to uh, pull it out like that had to happen in order for the recruits to see that, which I think is really important. And I think it will sway a lot of their decisions. I think even more so the fact that you're not the coach is probably going to impact their decisions because <laughs> you uh, quote tweeted Nolan needs to ride the bench in the second half. Yeah. So I would imagine <laughs> that that's right. The outcome of this game would have been much different and we would have lost all those recruits had you been head coach. So I'm really yeah. thankful for the fact that you. Would I'm have lost so happy ball. that you're not the coach of the team. <laughs> for, for the first time in a public forum, I will say that I'm glad they chose Jonathan Smith over me as the head coach. of the. <laughs> but you, you applied though. You sent yeah. in and you sent them the resume like I, you know. your your high school highlights. Yeah, I shared time as the starting quarterback on the freshman football team at Central Catholic. That's a good, school. A That's a good football program. Yeah. It is now. <laughs> is it, isn't it on ESPN next week? And some, yeah, some, yeah, yeah, on ESPN on Friday. That's how exciting. How exciting for the them. the house that Benny built. That's right. Yeah, I laid down the foundation. Too. Are they playing Bishop Sycamore? No, they're playing Clackamas. Ah, Clackamas. Yeah. I think you know you would have been excluded from the search. Look at this, guys. I'm I'm connecting segments left and right. I think you'd be excluded from their search, Benny, because of your uh, criminal history, uh, lighting off smoke bombs at uh, <laughs> a football game in high school. That's right, um, Terry. You also have some criminal history to share publicly on a on a podcast forum. Yeah. I don't know why, but uh, go ahead. 
See, I, I was asked to share this on the pod and I agreed because one, I'm not embarrassed about it. And I believe any <laughs> statute of limitations is is over. But so here, here's something that we haven't really started doing. And I can share this with the Beaver fam because I don't think Duck fans are listening. But something we're going to start doing, we intend to start doing is anytime a Duck fan trolls us, we're just going to respond with Andre Nicotina lyrics because that's better than just being like, no, fuck you. No, your uniforms are ass. It's, it's just because it like eggshells are not cool. I, everyone <laughs> I was not watching, cool. <laughs> I was watching UCLA, Oregon with a bunch of people who didn't care. And every one of them were like, God, those uniforms are God, they just make me sad. So every <laughs> impartial observer thinks uniforms are ass Oregon. Anyway, moving on. And so JP shared a. Uh, a passage from an Andre Nicotina song that we all love. And I said, omit the last two lines because they could be perceived as a threat as someone who has been reprimanded for (laughs) threatening someone digitally before I have lots of experience. And I had thought that I'd shared this story with y'all when we were in college, but apparently I had not, or it just got lost to the ether. But (laughs) to make this not a super long story, I went to Minneapolis Southwest High School. And for the first three years I was there, it was the worst football program in the state of Minnesota, possibly in the country. I did not play football (laughs) at that time. The combined record over those three seasons were was 0-27 with (laughs) maybe maybe 30 to 40 total points scored in oh, wow. three years, oh, maybe wow. a little bit more than that. But and you one. still didn't play. I, well, I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> on the I wasn't playing football. If I was on the team, I would have played because there was eight people total. Um, one of those people was my dear friend, uh, Sam. I won't use a, a, a last name here, but Sam was a baller, just loved football, loved to play, didn't give a shit was just, I'm going to, this is my school and I'm going to play probably 160 pounds soaking wet. By the time senior year rolled around, played both ways as middle linebacker and right guard. Just Sam, Sam's a, he's the rugby player. I know he's just tough as nails, just a baller. It wasn't his fault. The, the team was awful. So the coach gets fired after my junior year because it's the worst team ever, right? We get a new coach who has a few meetings, says, you know, I really think you guys should come out. This is going to be fun and tells all the seniors because we had athletes at our school. Other teams were good. We did have athletes. Just the football culture was non-existent. And in one meeting, he said, all of you who are seniors, you're (laughs) it's going to be a a tough year. You're not going to be here when we're winning championships and shit, but you will be part of the team that turned this program around. And between that and helping my my boy out, I was like, I'll play football. Sure. Why not? I wasn't playing a fall sport. Just do it. So I did. And I can tell you, we went from a perennial 0 and 9 team to a team that went three and six. Wow. Scored over 200 points. And it was just a nice story in Minnesota high school football that year. You know, you can't really celebrate a three and six season but I can tell you, this was one of the best coaching jobs, one-year turnarounds from where it was and from the year before. And we just weren't a doormat anymore. And when a doormat stops being a doormat, the teams used to enjoying that doormat get a little pissed off. And we were 
a chippy team. We talked a lot of shit and we scored a lot of points. We couldn't stop anybody. That's why we went lost six times compared to winning three times. And our coach was kind of like that too. We had a hard nosed coach. Uh, love that man to death still. And the other coaches in the conference didn't like it too much. So when the season was over and all the coaches meet to determine the uh, all conference awards, it had come out or our coach discovered that the coach of uh, Minneapolis Crawford, which is a fictional school, I'm not using the name of the real <laughs> school, who had won state or won the city that year and beat us by a shitload of points and really shouldn't have been mad, had gotten all the other coaches not to support any Minneapolis Southwest players for all conference. My friend Sam led the conference in tackles. He was our Avery Roberts. And he was also our Brandon Kipper. Put it into terms you can understand, Beaver fans. He was Avery Roberts and Brandon Kipper, a.k.a. he played every snap as like a 160-pound kid in the trenches. Deserved it. Another kid on our team was third in the state in sacks. Third in the state. Neither of them got got all-conference. And apparently this meeting was a huge blow-up. And things were said. Shit was talked. Our coach stormed out. Tells all of us at our end of season meeting. So I'm a senior. I, I consider myself a good teammate and a good friend. Probably a little loyal and uh, aggressive to a fault in those days. I get home and I'm just not feeling satisfied. So I find the coach of this particular football team's email address. And I share some thoughts with him about who I what I think of him as a man and what I think uh, is going to happen in the future and <laughs> intending, totally intending that you to are bully him into his vote you know, to let him know that the voting was over. The voting was over. I just wanted him to know you think people are going to forget this, but what do I say on this pod? People don't forget. Nope. They do not forget. And this team is going to kick your ass in the future because you are a giant chode. And I will always remember a mistake I made as a 17 year old kid still getting to know the Internet. This was 2005. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I used a sentence that I really should not have used. And that sentence was you will pay. (laughs) <laughs> I meant I meant on the football field. I meant my guys, my teammates who are younger are going to keep getting better. They're going to beat your ass next year because you suck. You giant fucking pig dick. God, I hate you so much. You're never going to win against this school again. That's what I meant. That was what I was trying to impart. And I didn't proofread, which is something I learned now. If I got to reread this email, which I never have reread, I think I'd be more I'd be cringing more about how poorly written it was than <laughs> the person. We know whatever we know. <laughs> so, I, you guys know all too well. My, my pet peeves. <laughs> so uh, I get pulled out of six hour the next day and get taken. You know how schools have that assistant principal you only go to when you're in a lot of trouble. That's, that's her <laughs> yep. main job. Yeah, I was getting taken to her office and I was like, oh, I think I know what this is about. <laughs> the light bulb just clicked. And then the the aide who took me out of my class, who was I had never been in trouble. Like I wasn't like a good kid or honor student, but I never got in trouble. 
And he, he was just this dude, Mark was like, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not sure what this is about, but wait here. So I waited outside her door. And after about five minutes, three police officers start walking <laughs> down the hall. <laughs> and they're like, are you Terry Horseman? And in my mind, I just be like, I was like, just like, yes, yes, officers. But I think I out loud, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring me into the assistant principal's office. And then she's in there and all four of them sit around me and say, do you know why you're here? <laughs> and I just went. I think so. And they're like, why do you think you're here? And I was like, I actually don't know. I was, <laughs> it was so cringy. I had no idea, no idea <laughs> what to say. It was terrible. Uh, and I, I ended well, you up, don't want to say the wrong thing and have them be like, right. no, that's not, but we'll look into that. Oh, later. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, actually, someone keyed your car outside. We wanted to make sure it was yours. <laughs> so, yeah, and they they called my mom and this was this was torture. They called my mom and put my mom on speaker, but they talked to her and I couldn't say anything. <laughs> So I'm just hearing my mom react to the assistant principal and one police officer saying, your son sent a sent a threatening letter (laughs) to the head coach of the Crawford football team. (laughs) And we have him in custody. In custody. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom on the other end is just going, oh, oh. Was she like, my okay. son doesn't play football? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been in a game? She's pretty clearly on the bench. He's not a football player. <laughs> uh, so what happened was I ended up, he, he, what is gonna, he wasn't going to press any charges if I wrote him an apology and I got suspended for two days. And that was the one time I ever got suspended from school. Uh, a friend of mine taped a piece of paper to his shirt at school the next day that said free Terry on it. And I appreciated it. The rumors that circulated were wild. And also it, the punishment was bullshit. I got a two day vacation <laughs> for th- threatening to murder an opposing football coach. And he has been in uh, in D3 college football since then and has actually been fairly successful. And I like to So he took your threat him. seriously and left. And he did. So Sam, my boy, worked at a hardware store that was just down the street from that high school that he coached at. That dude saw him at work, figured out who he was, and said, congratulations, you guys had one of the best one-year turnarounds I've ever seen. And I want you to know I voted for you for all conference, which was a fucking lie. He lied to Sam, which means my words were heavy on his conscience. And I hope that that dumbass coup he brought up, he was he was probably mad as hell on January 6th of this year. That kind of dude. <laughs> I hope he thinks about how he wronged my teammates back in 2005 every night. And honestly, I would use some better words, but I'd do it again. What about a tweet with a, a tweet with the honor Nicotina lyric? I would tweet on non-threatening 
Andre Nicotino lyrics. <laughs> I don't think he's on Twitter, but yeah, I, I'm going to slide into his DMs if he is and just say, put your phone on your butt. This is a booty call. <laughs> and let him interpret that however he'd like to interpret that. <laughs> don't fuck with my teammates is the moral of the story. And I sit yeah. in the text. I do the same thing for either one of you, for anyone who tried to stand in the way of you guys winning podcasting awards. Cause that's going to happen one day nice. on this 20th Thanks, episode. Terry. Yeah. Anyone, anyone tries any kind of conspiracy to, to steal your shine. I'm sending emails, but I'm it. proofreading this time. I learned. Well, just make sure that Benny wins uh, best newcomer art director for a podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was watching. So I, uh, we had uh, like NBC on last night and I flipped it on this morning when I was waking up and on the today show they had, uh, I forget what his name is, but they were like, he's from how Stella got her groove back and among other <laughs> things. And I was like, no way. This is amazing. <laughs> We are, yeah. we live in a weird simulation. We do. We're definitely in a simulation, whatever. But anyway, on a uh, positive. <laughs> Bring it back thing. in. Bring it back in. <laughs> Three Beavs were Pac-12 players of the week this week and That's apparently right. did not send any threatening emails. BJ Baylor, again, offensive player of the week. BJ Express. He was one yard away from busting a 69-yard rush. I know. <laughs> yeah, it would have been so perfect. Uh, Noose Kyobunum was the Pac-12 offensive offensive lineman of the week. Shout out to Noose, who's just been just a stalwart for our offensive line, and just someone who doesn't get nearly enough credit for where this program currently is. Uh, and yeah, so shout out to you, Noose, paving the way for the for the BJ Express and Luke Musgrave, special teamer of the week with the black. Scoop, yeah. score, no brainer. We 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 blocked two of their punts. Just one of them got called back, right? We yeah. did. The that second, was a block. Yeah, this, the second one had a pen. So the broadcast, the, the officials, Mike was cutting out. Like oh, crazy. so bad. So I don't even know what all of the penalties were, but all, that play had multiple penalties, and one was that, a, a that was the one foul where, after the play when Omar right. Spates returned it to like the 10, which really could have put the nail in it. So that was annoying. Well, but that one didn't matter. It was having two players with number eight on their jersey that because that's if it was what just it was. a personal oh, foul. Yeah. yeah, if it was just a personal foul, it would have been like at the 25 yard line or the 35 yard line instead of the 10. But instead, we went all the way back to like our 25 yard line. Yeah. Oh, no, they no, got a first no, down. No, 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 no they, you, they yeah, got a first down. It was automatic first down. It was automatic yeah. first down. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, oh, God. Yeah, I heard him say something about equipment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. yeah. Like of, equipment violation. Like, they didn't really explain it even at the stadium. It was like, what is an equipment violation? <laughs> is somebody wearing the wrong helmet? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> if you think about it, like penalty should be given for giving a team an advantage over the other one. And I get like two players with the same jersey can be confusing when it comes to assignments. But like it was a punt. So that doesn't right. I mean, I you have to call it. You have to call it. And it was a blunder on the coaching staff. But like. Ugh, just was so frustrating to watch. It's I, I feel bad for Omar because that was a really exciting play for him. And he also had the that pick six that wasn't, even though I know that was the right call at Pullman. But it's just like, get get my dude some glory. 
he's <laughs> he's so close. Yeah, he's so close. I'll I'll let that lead into predictions uh, for next week when we play at Cal. And what do we know uh, from history at Cal? As our, old, as, as our old coach would say, we never lose at Strawberry Canyon, gosh golly. <laughs> hip, hip, her. <laughs> Jiminy Crickets, Alexis. <laughs> Jiminy Crickets. <laughs> I think, so last week I accurately predicted that Trey Lowe would pop one. I'm going to say Omar Spates gets his shine on. Wow. In what way? That's as specific as you'll get. Anyway, we mentioned Chameleonaire earlier. Uh, JP, please play five seconds of Get Your Shine On by Chameleonaire. That's all I'm saying about Omar Spates. And I'm, of course, predicting a Beaver win. I think Cal is uh, is tougher than the two and five record indicates. We saw what they did against Oregon. They almost pulled it out. And they showed that they are pretty clearly a superior team to Colorado last week. So I think it's going to be gritty and maybe a little sloppy. But, guys, we never lose at Strawberry Canyon. And (laughs) I think we win by a final somewhere along 30 to 17. Okay. Yep. I'm in that boat. I think I predicted earlier that this would be like our offensive lull. I think we've already kind of gone through that, actually. Um, I had us winning when we predicted preseason 14-10 uh, after losing 13-7 uh, and then the rest of the season coming out firing. But I think we're already back. Uh, we've got yeah, our identity back. So. And it's going to be crystal clear, beautiful weather in Berkeley this Saturday, like 61 and clear. So I don't know if wind will be uh, a problem. But it should be a good game to have a balanced offensive attack to for the defense to be able to take advantage of any mistakes that Cal makes on offense um, without it just being like this like slippery, <laughs> slippery mess. But uh, I had us my revised score was going to be 30-24, a little bit closer, but not actually as close as the score indicates. Yeah, I think um, so. I guess I'll give my score uh, prediction first. I think uh, Oregon State. Uh, wins this I think it's um, somewhere along the lines of let's say like 31 uh, to uh, 17 31 17 I think is is sort of what we're looking at Uh, a couple things I think that uh, Cal I think Oregon played down to Cal I don't think that Cal is is that good Um, I I don't know what you can take away from the Colorado game because Colorado has been all over the place this season. So it's tough to judge that game. Um, but but Cal does uh, favor the pass over the run in their offense. Um, and that scares me a little bit uh, with having Jaden Grant out for the first half and then um, Julian out certainly for this game, probably the season. Um that makes me nervous uh, for our defense, um, but I think our offense is is going to come through. I think uh, again, talking about chances, second half against Utah was huge, not only for that game, um, but I think it forces Cal to now uh, plan their defense around a somewhat potent passing attack, uh, which should open it up for BJ. Um, but I, I mean, we're the better team. And I think I would venture to say we're the better team by a significant margin. Uh, so we just need to, I mean, we need to learn from, from our Washington state game, right? Like you can't just march into a, uh, especially in a way stadium and uh, expect that you're going to win because you're better on paper. So hopefully the beeves have learned that 
lesson and and they come in uh, firing because really they should win the next two games. Um, yeah. Yeah. Against at Cal and then at Colorado. And if you do that, you're seven and two. And if you do that, you're certainly in the top 25. So Oregon State has a golden opportunity here. They'll find a way to keep us out of the top 25. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. Keep us on the Pac-12 network forever. I we're don't care. Be, we're going to be the first team to win the national championship and not finish ranked in the final eight people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, leave us unranked. I like it. I like being the underdog. But Whatever, in our yeah. minds, and maybe even beyond our minds, are, are we the best team in the Pac-12? Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Last note on football, uh, got to give a shout out to uh, Harry Montague Field, who was an offensive lineman in the 1930s for the Beavs, uh, just named a finalist for this year's class of the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame. Uh, if Harry gets inducted, he'll join uh, Rockney Cronenberg Freitas and uh, Herman Buddy Paikea Clark uh, as uh, inductees into the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame, awesome. all offensive linemen. Uh, that'd be an, an awesome honor for for him and his family and the uh, tradition of uh, Polynesian football players at Oregon State University. So uh, <clears throat> th- th- cool. thoughts and vibes for Harry getting into the Polynesian yeah. Football Hall of Fame. That's awesome. He also played the East West Shrine game, which is uh, to tie it back to me because I like making everything about me. Is a uh, was, tr- was traditionally long time held at Keysar Stadium in San Francisco. Um, oh. They've since moved it to bigger venues, but it originated in Keysar and for decades was played there. So I didn't know that. Yeah. A little so, bit, of, bit of historical education. Yeah, yeah. the Harry played there back in uh, 1934, which is kind of cool. Very cool. Hey, one last thing on football before we move on. I, and I, uh, I apologize. I feel like I'm cranky as fuck for this episode. But we have to talk about Oregon State being consistently put on the Pac-12 <laughs> network. We demand better. Yeah, we thought we were gonna get better. Go. Uh, Tell us, how you really feel. Tell us how you really feel for 30 seconds we hit. Yeah, well, I get the Pac-12 network, so it doesn't matter to me, but it it sucks because, like, no one else can see it. Like, 80% of the country does not have access to watch Oregon State play, uh, which, like, I mean, that obviously has an impact on the top 25, and that doesn't really matter unless you're uh, vying for a national championship. But, like, more so, it has... Uh, huge impacts on recruiting recruits can't watch you play um yeah. so i know it's not really the commissioner's choice of who gets to be televised that's really more of like a, a network choice so like fox gets to choose you know they want these this matchup to be nationally televised uh but like fucking come on uh they're fox is broadcasting colorado at oregon uh colorado who's the most garbage team maybe other than Arizona in the Pac-12. Uh, and they put uh, the Pac- the Pac-12 network carried the Utah-Oregon State game, which was featuring the best team in the Pac-12 North versus the best team in the Pac-12 South. So it doesn't seem to be based off of how the teams are doing, but more so just like the market share that they can bring of, of viewers. And since Oregon is sort of a bandwagon program, that's why they get put on national team. Oregon's which sucks. not fun to watch. No, they're really not. And their I uniforms could concede are terrible. this in other years. That offense is cringe. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. And yeah. I don't like Cristobal yelling at his players all the time. It just seems. Ugh. Or calling out fans, Oregon no fans one, about no booing one, at Austin. No one's having fun in that. He program. is burning bridges. Yeah. He fast. Is. 
Yeah. So I wonder yeah, where I he's know. going. If we beat Cal, and we're already for sure on Pac-12 Network for the Colorado game. So if we beat Cal, that's five straight games where we held a share of the lead in the Pac-12 North on Pac-12 Network. Uh, just well, what's better? What do you guys think is better though? Because I have I have an answer to this. I think uh, we're, if we're on Pac-12 Network, would you prefer that we're a 7 p.m. kick or a 4 p.m. kick? Me? What do you? Anyone? <laughs> no, anyone? I'm talking about like just like. What do you think is the better situation to be in? 4 p.m. Uh, kick. Yeah, I think 4 p.m. kicks definitely better. See, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think about it. I think about this. Maybe way. more people on the West Coast are watching at 7 p.m. No, but I even think the East Coast isn't going to watch at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Pac-12 network. I'm like, No, they're not. They're going to watch before bed at, at 10 o'clock and be like, let's put this on while I'm about to pass out on Saturday night. I mean, I don't think – I really think that – Pac-12 Network, you have to be like a 1 o'clock or 12 o'clock kick. Or the late night, you might as well ride with the Pac-12 after dark. I mean... The answer is the answer is they both suck. Yeah, exactly. If you're trying to think of anyone outside of the West Coast watching it, I think they're both bad. I think you probably have a higher percent chance of people watching the what would be 7 p.m. versus 10 p.m. Eastern time. But there's other primetime games, obviously, that are more marquee in the eyes of the networks that they put on those times. Yeah. But I think – I don't even think – I'm not talking about actual fans. I'm talking about casual just college football fans who are flipping through their TV and deciding what they want to watch after every other game they care about is over. And they have Pac-12 mm. Network, but they don't realize it, and they might land on that channel. While That's what I'm saying. You're more likely to do that than watch at 7 p.m. and make this yeah, like sit-down TV when you've got actual like primetime marquee yeah, matchups like, on ESPN or Fox. I mean, Yeah, it's like, but that's like 7 people. Right. <laughs> who you're gonna get with that and i think like it's more I- i'm more concerned about it or more angry about it i guess from like a recruiting perspective but like yeah. i i think that you bring up a good point for the casual fan uh, i mean i could buy that where it's there's no real other competing games at that time what so is espn2 airing at that time just fucking put us on <laughs> what's the re- re- replays of the of like wimbledon FS2 yeah, or FS2. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. I hate it. But anyway, uh, Fubo TV, which gets Pac-12 Network, <laughs> also gets NFL Red Zone. And Let's just clarify. Uh, we're not we're not sponsored by Fubo TV. We're not sponsored by Fubo TV. No. <laughs> Fubo TV is sponsored by me. I am endorsing Fubo TV. I love Fubo. I was a cynic and a hater at first. I love Fubo TV now. Uh, I, I want I want everyone to get Fubo TV. Vikings were on a bye yesterday. I watched NFL Red Zone for a while. It was fun. Me too. Yeah. So yep. anyway, let's go to let's shift to football of a different variety and then uh, and then get out of here. Uh, guys, we're a soccer school. Yeah. And yeah, we are. We might be the best soccer school in men's soccer because we just beat the best team on the road shouts to terry boss and the oregon state men's soccer team handing the washington huskies their first loss of the season so final score of three to two in seattle yeah on the road yeah we now have the number one rpi in men's college soccer and i don't know what that means but i don't (laughs) care because i know it's good it's a good thing i think it means like overall here here's my impression of it 
we have the most impressive yeah. results when you think of every the amount of games that every team has played are who they played lost, when they played who them. they played when they played them where they yeah. played them we have the most impressive win loss product yeah that's not i think that's what really goes into like seeding too right when i yeah, checked the rankings right. this afternoon the rpi was updated through the games of this past weekend but the um men's college soccer poll wasn't so we we came into this game number eight in the country and washington was number one in the country so battle of titans really fucking good teams meeting on the pitch and all i got to see i'll be completely transparent is the videos that oregon state men's soccer tweeted out and i just want to give a shout out because uh <clears throat> tyrone mondi opened the scoring with just a brilliant goal from outside the box uh Jaron gerbet had another one outside of the box uh in the in the second half that was just a phenomenal strike and i, I think uh uh, I'm pronouncing his name right, but um, Muhammad Tiam had a PK goal in the 86th minute to, to give huge. us the edge at 3-2. And uh, the Oregon State Men's Soccer Twitter account also shared a uh, video of a sequence of Nicholas Lund just heart and soul defense uh chasing down a dude who was in i can't believe they didn't score on this. We'll retweet this at some point after this episode goes live. But just made two crazy stops. Uh, another defender came in, made a nice uh, stop. That was only a partial clearance. And then Adrian Fernandez made a saving goal, and he was fantastic all night again. This team's for real. Yeah. yeah. Really and real. shit's going to start getting nerve-wracking around what's happening here. Because, uh, yeah, now is where, um, you know, in the AFC Richmond locker room under head man Ted Lasso, what does it say? There's a banner that just says believe. And yeah. I think we're starting to believe that this is a, a team that can do something something special and outside the ordinary. Maybe but, yeah. maybe with our version of Ted Lasso, they should have a sign that hangs in the locker room that just says hope. Hope. Because, because you can't spell chop them without hope. No. Uh-uh. H-O-P-E. It's right there in the middle. Yeah. And I think this team's got a lot of hope. I got a lot of hope. I'm, I got a lot of hope. I got a lot of chop them. Yeah, me too. Tyrone Mondi is such a beast, dog. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. All of his uh, goals are spectacular. I didn't realize, but Washington was the only men's soccer team left that had a perfect record. So no losses and no ties. So yep. not like no other college soccer program in the country had that sort of record. So that's, Dude, dude, me a soccer expert. Yeah. Pointed this out last week. I said they were 12 0 and 0. 12 0 and 0. 0 and 0. Multiple O's. Double O. Double O seven. Double O. Double O's. Double O twelve. But the other way. Yeah. Well, for so for those of you that don't follow soccer, it would have been a huge result if Oregon State could have just tied tied them. Yeah, yeah on the road. Yeah. Uh, so the can, fact that they beat can them was you just... tie in the Pac-12 because the women's team lost in overtime, and there are people online saying that we jinxed the women's soccer team <laughs> by having the Cinecolas on, which I refuse to accept. And you know what? They would deny I mean, that too. They, they would, would deny that too. And also they were the two coolest people we've ever met in our lives. And we need to have them back on the show. So that can't be a jinx. <laughs> it right. can't be a jinx. <laughs> I don't know. We're eight, we're eight, one and two. Well, nine, one and two now. So we've, we've tied. Oh yeah. I don't know. So, okay. But it also, may, like, maybe it was non-conference. 
I don't know. But so, so the men's soccer team is now one two. Maybe the, do they have that rule in women's soccer? Why would it be different? But when you go to the, when you go to the women's soccer page on Oregon state's website, just as they're 11 and five and they lost to Colorado in overtime. So that's either I, when the, I first saw them tweeting that we were going into overtime, I was like, Oh, they have, it's like the hockey rule where there will be an outright winner, but the team that loses in overtime, like in NHL, it goes as a, kind of like it's an overtime loss, AKA a tie. So they get like the one point, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know, but anyway, we, we did not, we did not jinx the Cinecolas. <laughs> we did tough, not. It was just a tough road trip and they're going to bounce it back with three straight wins at home. You heard it fucking here. Yeah. And why, why do the notes say that we take full responsibility then? I, I'm taking full responsibility <laughs> by, by denying responsibility, by deflecting yes. <laughs> by guaranteeing three state straight victories. Nice. Don't, broadcast the notes that's <laughs> that's to direct traffic the listeners don't need to see all of them <laughs> i talked i talked for 20 minutes about a threatening message i sent to a grown man <laughs> at 17 years old there is way more scarier shit than that in the notes you don't want to get i know it's spooky season but we're not going to broadcast all of those things jp okay anyway yes washington is very good at soccer and is thinking national championship and we beat them which means we also need to think <laughs> so yeah i predicted it but let's uh <laughs> <laughs> you said football. You said yeah, I said national football. championship in football. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to point out that these are going to be these will be uh, pivotal games remaining for the women's team because UW, Wazoo, Oregon. We talked about they're all at home, but mm-hmm. the uh, all three matchups last season resulted in losses. I know this is a different team because of the uh, I don't know, like pride around the their their play and the schematics and maybe just unlocking more out of some of these individuals because like coach Nicole said she didn't bring in any of her own recruits. This is these are all the same people. There's some there's some freshmen who are born though who weren't there. Well of course but they aren't hers, I don't believe. They are, yeah they already uh they already assigned committed. Yeah. 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 So this is a different team of course but yeah there are some what is it demons to exhume is that the phrase? Exercise. Demons I, to exercise. I don't, I don't know that exhume is wrong. Maybe bodies to exhume, demons to exercise. Let's just get it all out of here and take these three wins. I've right never, I've never used the word exhume in my life. Would you like me to turn this into an English class right now, where we talk about words and definitions, or no? No, I think no. we should wrap up. Should um, wrap up. <laughs> Hold on, we've been talking for like four hours. <laughs> so, so JP shared a uh, clip with us. I don't know if you took that. I don't know how you did that. You're way better at technology than me, but it was a clip oh, no. from the game. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Andy Snacks. Andy Snacks. Okay. Yeah. So it was a clip from the game that I like, dude, I got so amped up when I saw this. Uh, <laughs> I, what, what player was it? I, you know, I don't know. I couldn't tell because it was in the bottom of the screen. We're talking about yeah. the women's soccer game against Utah where yeah. there was a bit of a scuffle at the end of the game. And I don't think we need to focus on it too much. My read on it is that Utah was employing some cowardly tactics. And if you watch that video and we'll retweet this so that it's on the internet, you can see it. But Utah was taking their sweet ass time getting yeah. the ball back in bounds. And from my standpoint, what I saw was a crafty Oregon state team who wanted to play soccer, 
play footy, said, get the ball back in bounds or fuck around and find out. They also had the momentum back on their side. The Beavs did. They were they were attacking very right. well. And it was kind of like this like really lame stall tactic that you do back in like youth soccer to like, oh, I actually kicked the ball out of my hands. Oh, they, it's they slippery. Did like take the my thing time. where the the one player who was gonna throw it in like thought about the throw in and then it was like actually no I want this teammate to throw it in because they're better at throw ins and I should probably check my shoelace and make sure that yeah I'm all and you tied you can up. hear people saying you can hear people yelling in the background throw the ball yeah throw the ball yeah yeah and we don't have much other context than that but um I think uh you know as a soccer player you're it, more power to you to let let your opponent know that that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened is the Oregon State player, I mean, got physical with the Utah player and started. Uh, I was away from the play. So there must there could have been something said. said That's what yeah, I think yeah, is that yeah. I think something was said. And I don't think that uh, Sinicola would would um, condone that at all. I think she's probably she's probably pretty upset with her team. But as a bystander and uh I wouldn't consider myself a casual fan, slightly more than a casual fan. I liked it because it showed that this team like doesn't take shit. We asked about the the, the fire and the team. She said they got yeah. a lot of it. So right, and so like when you're when and she has a ton of freshmen playing on that team too. So like when you're 18 years old, you don't always know exactly how to channel that um the, your emotions and so but like it is good that this team is fucking bought in and and they just don't take shit from other teams you're and that i think that's a good thing your sweet ass time getting this throw in in you can fuck around find out yeah, yeah. and also speaking we of freshmen endorse that speaking of freshmen mckenna martinez showed up against colorado didn't the results yeah. weren't what they wanted but the two goals um we talked about her and that uh you know she kind of hopefully unlocked something with that that okay. late goal against UCLA and um, that carried over Colorado, I don't think uh, right. she, she didn't have much to to offer with against Utah. But uh, yeah, I mean resiliency is a big part of this team's kind of mantra, and they've got three games left to to carry through. All right, so I yeah. have been. You guys haven't given me shit. You sort of just pointed out that I've I've made a few vague predictions in regards to the football team. <laughs> Trello will pop one. <laughs> Uh, Omar Spates will get his shine on. What does that mean? Here is a pretty cut and dry, transparent, clear prediction for you. Women's soccer team has three games left. McKenna Martinez will have a hat trick in one of those three games. Boom! Yeah, love it. Take it to the bank. Take it it to the bank. Is it going to be against Oregon? Because that was... In one of the three games. games. She might have a hat trick in each of the three games. Nine goals in three games. I I don't know. A minimum one, yeah. but Minimum one. Minimum one. Minimum one. I'm not saying there won't be more than one hat trick. And (laughs) I will throw this Timberwolves hat into the air. Um, And yeah. Your window. Your your 1920s. Hooray! 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 We'll send her a hip hip hooray, Alexis. We want in Strawberry Canyon. Uh, we'll send we'll send uh, we'll send the whole team Babes uh, hats if that happens. If they went out, no. If if there's a well, both sure. Okay. So then they'll get two sets of Babes hats I'll, if they went out, and Martinez gets a hat trick. I'll, I'll, I'll cover this one, JP. So if, if either one of those things happens, we're doing special for 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 the team, and uh, I'll 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 eat that cost. 
So I, I saw yeah. JP's eyes just went real big, real fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you again. I need to buy JP. a third chain. JP needs a third <laughs> chain. So please, please buy more Babay's gear to make that happen. <laughs> Three uh, chains. Of course, he needs more that more more chains. Uh, we're changing the world out here. Thank you for listening to this twentieth episode of Belligerent Beeves. We've done twenty of these, and right. we'd be doing it if no one was listening. But it's a lot more fun. And it's a lot more rewarding knowing that you're here with us, following on social media, engaging, sending us questions. Now, you know, talking shit with some of the haters who are chiming in. <laughs> yeah. There are people who think Oregon State football shouldn't be ranked, and y'all are letting them know. And we appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. We sincerely appreciate it. And we, we want to make uh, 20,000 20, of these. And we, we won't stop in, until we do. So thank you. On, on my behalf, I'm Terry Horseman here for the 20th episode of Belligerent Thieves, joined as always by my dear friends, J.P. Bertram in Portland and from Tacoma, Washington, Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage. We're at Cal. And we don't lose in Strawberry Canyon, guys. <laughs> we never lose We're in gonna Strawberry Canyon. We're going to be saying hip, hip, hooray if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> we'll be watching this Saturday. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BelligBeeves, on Instagram at BelligerentBeeves. Visit BelligerentBeeves.com for all of your merchandise needs. Uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. And, of course, remember, you can't spell chop them without hope. Thank you for tuning in. Chop them. Chop them. Chop them. <laughs>